Blog Talk Radio. Listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. And it starts right now. All right, folks, this is uh, Eugene Benton. I'm filling in and kind of helping get this show started. Uh, we had a little pilot show. We're kicking off tonight at 6 30, with. Actually, I would say guest host, but he's got his own show. So he's sitting in the big chair tonight. Uh, with that, we're going to introduce and turn the mic over to uh, the skipper, Tori Tyson. What's up, buddy? Hey, how's it going, Eugene? Uh, doing well, man. we got to get all these uh, uh, computers and things all talking to each other, saying the right language. But we're going to talk some uh, the right language tonight, and that's some baseball. Uh, before we'll get you know into the show, man, uh, you're part of a heartbreaker, I, I, I hear, uh, in the last night or so. Um, did we call it a shocker, losing one to nothing? You know, we just talked about Somerville losing that one to nothing game against Kane Bay uh, a couple nights ago, and uh, that was kind of that shocker. So, you know, do we call this a shocker, or do we call it, you know, something else? Yeah, we had a, we had a tough loss last night. Uh, we were talking about Oceanside Collegiate Academy, where – um, I've got a kid there, and um, yeah, we're, we're uh, we ran into a, a little buzzsaw of a pitcher, and um, you know, like I've always said, uh, good pitching is gonna gonna beat good hitting, and we just couldn't buy a break, and um, you know, good for this kid. Um, I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but um, you know, he, he did he did a heck of a job, pitched a, an entire complete game against us, and uh, we just couldn't couldn't pull it out. So we're a little one nothing loss, and we get a Another crack at him on Friday night. So, did I read it right that the crack on Friday night, uh, you know, if you win that one, maybe uh, you keep a little foothold maybe for that second place in the region and make the playoffs, or is there some other determining factor on that second place and who gets to go, you know, play some extended season baseball? Right. I've heard I've heard a couple different things. I know um, I know BE's the team everybody's chasing down because they haven't lost the in-conference game, and, 
so uh, you know, Bishop England still has to play Hanahan. Uh, so I think I think really those are the the only three teams that have a chance at, at any type of postseason. They only take two, is what I've heard. And uh, so yeah, we we definitely need to win Friday night to stay in the in the mix there of the second. And then you know I, I know if that if that kid pitches the way he did last night, uh, I believe it's AJ Bryant. Um, if he pitches that way again against BE, we should, we, then uh, BE would be stuck with a loss as well. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes, but uh, that's, that's baseball. You're not going to win them all. That's that's one sport where you're just not going to win them all. Yeah, I couldn't agree more on that because, you know, like you said the other night, you know, there are teams that win the World Series that are totaling 65 losses, you know, at the end of the season. You know, again, we mentioned that one to nothing loss with that great pitching gem from that kid from Cane Bay. Uh, over, you know, that, that great offense. And, and sometimes, you know, I, maybe I, I don't recall if we talked about it or hit that button or not, but sometimes there's a guy behind the, the plate. And sometimes that can determine him. You know, everybody has their own interpretation. Everybody has their own interpretation of a strike zone, what's a ball or a strike. Now, we know if a pitcher likes to dance on the edge and things like that, you know, maybe they don't have that 95-mile-an-hour fastball down the middle because they like to dance that edge. Well, you know, uh, sometimes – Umpires give that edge, and sometimes they don't, as you're quite, uh, you know, quite aware. So, you know, things like that can definitely help, you know, determine the outcome of games. Little things like errors, you know, the old CNI singles, things like that. But, you know, for Friday night, what do you think has got to be a little different than uh, last night, as far as you know, putting a bat on the ball? Right. I, I you know, I just think, um, you know, it's just another day. That's the great thing about baseball, and th- and this is one of the reasons why I'm excited. You gave me a a platform to try this out. I don't know how long you guys will let me last here because because as soon as you say the word umpire, I I immediately say, hey, they all suck. Uh, that, that's that's what I've told the kids since I've been coaching them in Little League. They're all terrible. It doesn't matter what level it is. You can go watch Angel Hernandez at a major league game, and he's going to blow 25 calls a night. Um, you know, and I, I they're all going to stink. Sorry, you umpires out there that might be listening. You stink. There's a reason you're umpiring and not playing. It's because you stunk at baseball and you stink still. Uh, you know, I say that jokingly, but because I, I actually enjoy the company of a lot of the umpires now that I'm out of the game. Um, but but they're going to miss calls. It's just human nature. And, and I hate blaming things on them because they're all going to stink. So you gotta you got to overcome those umpires. Uh, we didn't. We we had a good one last night. There wasn't any. We can't blame it. Blame one last night. Um, you know, I'd like like to come up with an excuse, but um, there's no excuses there. But I appreciate the platform, and it's going to be fun for me to, uh, you know, say some things that I probably should walk back at some point. But uh, that, that's what this show is going to be all about. Maybe we'll uh, in the future we'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll give you a 30 minute show on. Uh... Thursday morning, and you can have it. Your, you know, Tori. Tori steps off the mound. Show. <laughs> goes yes, back. Yes, goes, yes. Tori, Tori goes back to the dugout, kind of thing. Uh, there you go. Way. Apologies from the mound. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> exactly. No, so I'm. Well, I'm, what, I'm really. I was gonna say, yeah. Let's go ahead. That's a great segue. Let's talk about some of the things. So you're definitely looking for. You know, they come on the show. You bring a, a wealth of knowledge. You know, everything from playing it to coaching it. Um, and now viewing from the stands, and also you're still involved in the game at the professional level, and uh, that's real important too. So, you know, for a pilot, you know, it's kind of a, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is kind of the platform, you know, we kind of talked about and kind of got a schedule today and uh, things like that. So 
you know, for the first show, I guess, you know, we can go ahead and start talking about some of the things that, you know, you're planning on lining up, some things you want to feature and talk about so we can, you know, put it out there on social media as well. So, you know, anybody that might be on the fence, well, you know, the guy's got a pretty good resume. I, you know, I want to hear him talk about balls and strikes from 30 years ago, but, you know, maybe it's something that they're interested in. So uh, we'll kind of let you go there with kind of, you know, we want to start out maybe okay. with this show and uh, we'll go from there see where, we, see where it leads us to. Right, right. Yeah, so, you know, I've been thinking a lot since, you know, we we decided to do this show and about what we want to do with it. And I think you guys provided a, a nice little platform and, and made me do some, some studying uh, about some of the local teams around here so I can get more acquainted with the ones that, you know, I haven't seen play yet. Uh, so we're going to try and, you know, really focus on local baseball uh, down here in the low country and, uh, you know, get in some high school stuff. And I, I really, on the high school level, what I, what I really aim to do is uh, just provide another perspective. Uh, I, w- I would love it if coaches called in. I would love it to have, you know, fans call in, parents call in. Uh, go ahead and, and let it fly and, and get off your chest what you've been, uh, you know, complaining to all the other parents or, or complaining to the other coaches if you're a coach. Uh, and just kind of provide a, provide a flat platform so that I might be able to to mediate. And uh, I like I like that uh, it's my show, so that way I'm always right, and I will uh, let the person know who's right and who's wrong. And it'll be, you know, fun to just pull from some of my history. Um, you know, I, I I would I'm glad we're doing this pilot here and kind of like preview, letting everybody know because I really would rather not talk about what I've done in this game, um, you know, past today. Uh, it, but, you know, just going back and hitting on that one time, you know, I grew up in this game. My dad played in the major leagues for 10 years. Uh, I was, I grew up in the dugout with him. I did the same with my son years later. Uh, I did not want to let him play organized baseball until he was old enough. I, I made the mistake uh, I, of, of letting him play probably a year too too young, I really feared that he wouldn't enjoy baseball, and uh, and then and then compound compound that that mistake. Uh, a friend of yours, Brian Garris, was was Tiger's first uh, coach, so that that was another mistake I made. Just kidding, Brian. Uh, but uh, no, and and so what you know that's kind of how I did it with my dad. I brought my son along, did it. Uh, started coaching him after a, a year or two uh, of letting other guys coach him and kind of raised up the same group of kids really uh, from this Charleston area. We kind of expanded out a little bit further towards Columbia with some players in the last couple of years. And as we kind of got bigger and better. And um, so, you know, I, I've kind of been there, done that with, with my dad. I've done it with my son uh, like you said, I still am in baseball. I work for Scott Boris, the, the number one agent in baseball. So I'm, all, I'm around the game on a daily basis um, and um, just kind of want to bring some of that perspective to people and allow people to vent. Uh, you know, coming up with a name for the show is tough, bouncing names off my wife, you, um, you know, my son, trying to come up with something and, and just really wanted to kind of uh, let everyone know that this is a show where you can speak freely uh, and, um, you know, say, say what's on your mind and, and without repercussions, because we'll, we'll remain anonymous if you'd like to, if you'd like to call in and remain anonymous, totally understand. Uh, 
and we'll have some coaches on to explain some things that they did, and, and I promise I'll, I'll nail them down to, to let those parents see some different perspectives because a lot of times they don't know what's really going on in the, in the game, and there's a whole lot of things to think about. You can't just look at one thing and say, why didn't he do that? Because until you are that manager, that head coach, you don't really know what's going on uh, with the entire situation. And um, so I'm just trying to trying to bring that kind of around to everyone and, and allow them to, to see from just different perspectives and, and possibly grow and get better at, at kind of knowing the game of baseball. Well, there's a, you know, a whole lot to unpack there, but, um, you know, also too, being that where we are, uh, you know, there's a great thing about the game. We have a professional team in town um, and we tend to have some great players from this area. You know, there are players that have gone, you know, straight into the major leagues, some of the top schools, you know, the Carolinas, Clemson, Georgia Tech, uh, Duke right now, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Uh, I saw some others. Yeah, I think there's a kid going to Mississippi State or at least with an offer. What is it do you think, um, you know, because uh, aside from one or two teams in, in the area, football just can't compare throughout the state. Um, and it's been that way for about 15 years. The last public school team from Charleston County or, or less uh, Charleston County. Yeah. Public school team from Charleston County to win um, a state championship was in 1982. Um, but what is it about baseball that, that makes uh, this area kind of that, that pocket of powerhouse with these kids here? Is it, is it training? You know, what is it that you can put your finger on or that you think it is uh, that kind of, you know, has this kind of upstate area in football kind of uh, lower state area pocket with baseball? Well, yeah, I'm I'm not sure because you know I come from uh, St. Louis, so I'm coming from a really big city. So I when I when I moved here, I I was kind of shocked, just the state of baseball coming from a huge city to this. Uh, it wasn't as uh, as good, I guess, uh, just a simple word as as it is in St. Louis. Um, so I think um, you know the baseball here. There's just not as many choices. Uh, as there are in some big cities uh, as far as, you know, different teams. And, and I think um, what, what kind of just happened, I think you have some very uh, well-off people down here that are able to do everything they can to, for their kids to allow them to become the best that they can possibly be. And it's just, you know, favor from the good Lord uh, that, that allows these kids to have these opportunities. And and I know I'm, I'm, um, you know, I've got my son is a sophomore at Oceanside Collegiate Academy, and, and that setup couldn't be more perfect for a kid who's highly motivated, highly driven, and, and wants to play in the major leagues or, you know, on a, on a more realistic level, play college baseball, Division One baseball. Um, we don't like to jump the gun and say, you know, it's, it's great to have those dreams and, and set those goals to play in the major leagues, but I'm trying to really uh, get my son and, and his friends to focus on one step at a time. And, and it, it all goes back to little league. I said, you want to start on your varsity team by your sophomore year. That's my goal with every player on the team. So when they were 11 years old, that's what I said. I'm going to teach you the basics, the mechanics, the proper foundation, baseball 101, um, so that you can walk in and start on your varsity baseball team as a 10th grader. And, and what you're seeing is um, just some of those players, um, like you just named a bunch of schools, and, and I could probably hit four of the major schools 
with guys from these little league teams that are already, you know, pitching or making a huge impact as sophomores in these schools. So I think that's just kind of what you have in the low country. You, you know, you have some, some kids with unbelievable opportunities because their parents are able to give them those opportunities. Uh, parents are able to travel, to get them on, a, on the right teams, do, you know, pay for the right instruction if they have to. Um, but I, I just think it's, it's favor and, and just the, uh, the ability to, you know, to get the best out of someone that you can get down here. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here, and this is something I'd like for you to cover. You know, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to you covering this. You know, we talked about it before many times because uh, there's probably two knuckleheads listening in to us right now um, that are, may apply to if they're <laughs> lucky. Um, and, and that, uh, you know, if you're a parent, your mm-hmm. kid has a chance of com- coming out of high school and uh, being drafted pretty high, let's say first two rounds. And this doesn't have to be number one overall. I mean, that's happened, you know, 20 guys right, have been yeah. drafted one overall in the past 20 years. It's very unlikely. Um, but let's say top two rounds. You know, even as a parent, what would you advise other parents as far as, you know, do you take the money and the opportunity set aside? Because I've heard Major League and, you know, as working for an agent, maybe you can give some better, more in-depth of this on your show, but, you know, I've heard there's now policies with pre-tax income where the major league helps you set aside money for future if you want to go to college. Um, so, so what's your kind of pitch to parents, so to speak, if a guy's coming out um, and just test that waters because they don't have to commit to it. You know, if they commit and go into right. draft, you know, they can still go to college. But, you know, they get that first two rounds, uh, you know, and then you can talk about, you know, well, if we get to round four or five or six, you know, then we have to, you know, consider something else right i i think i think um great question i i think what that's what my company does for you know for a living unless unless you're a first rounder with an extremely uh obtuse number that you're looking at that you just can't turn down this life-changing money it just really doesn't make sense to not go to college um, from a physical standpoint, there are very few people that are physically able to walk out of high school and play against, you know, 24-year-old uh, men uh, that are on the baseball field. And so, you know, physically, that's the first reason we tell you that we tell players, hey, go to college. Uh, also, mentally, you learn so much more about the game. Uh, you, you know, you, you hope, you hope that the college coach. Uh, knows more or can can bring more to your brain than than your high school coach or your travel ball coach maybe not always the case but it gives you three years to develop Um, and then you know with the draft rules currently in place if you're not familiar the listeners aren't familiar with uh, baseball you can't leave after one year or two years you have to stay till you're either 21 or your junior year it's all it's all jacked up right now because you got you know 21 year old uh, freshmen because they're given two years of eligibility because of COVID. Um, but in general, you're in college for three years. You've got time to mature physically, mentally. Um, and then that number, let's, let's just say you're a late first rounder. You go to college, you know, the numbers show that if you wait, you know, and let's just say you get picked 15 spots higher, you're talking about a difference of three, $4 million in difference with just 15 spots. So, um, you know, that's a that's another I, – I think I know one of the guys you're getting at. And, that, you know, that's – that's and it's each family's, just, you know, decision of what they have, what they need, what they want. 
what they think of their kid, if they can handle it or not. And, um, you know, so I, I just say in general, these kids need to go to college. I think it's, you know, I played at every level possible. And I'm going to tell you right now, the, the college baseball experience was absolute greatest experience I've ever had as a player. I despised my coach. Uh, I didn't enjoy him at all. Uh, and I still, to this day, say I love college baseball. It's just a lot more fun. The atmosphere is so, so much more fun and so much team, more team-oriented than it is in pro ball. Uh, so I really want my kid, I know for one, to have that experience uh, because, like I said, he'll look back on it, and that's the most fun he's ever had. And it's not going to hamper your minor league experience. If you go play at a, at a Power 5 school or, you know, or or you excel in the SEC, you're going to walk in and skip two levels anyway that you would have been in as a high school player. So it doesn't affect, you know, the speed that you would excel through the minor leagues to the major leagues at all. You know, you've got the Matt Weeders of the world from Goose Creek who, you know, the first rounder uh, from Georgia Tech. Uh, he's in the big leagues within a year and a half. And, you know, it's that that's what happens when you come out of a major program and and get drafted in the first round so there's really no reason unless the family has different needs and and wants um to not go to college and and i've talked to um david beckley who was with uh the fiddle for i don't know how many teen years and um you know he's got a company that helps kids you know place into college i've talked to him i'm gonna have him on kind of helping uh, some of these parents and these kids learn more about the recruiting aspect of baseball through colleges and, and kind of I'm, I'm trying to educate the parents on some decisions and that they're faced with because, quite frankly, you are faced with a decision now. Some are faced with a decision in eighth grade. Uh, you know, you, you referenced, um, a, you know, a freshman at Somerville that is already committed uh, to a, a big-time, you know, D1 program. And, you know, it's just – I just want to bring a little education, a little bit more knowledge to everyone so that they know what they're getting into when they make these decisions. So I'm, I'm planning on having, you know, the, the coaches come in, the college coaches come in and, and um, you know, help to educate these, these players, high school players, and their parents on, uh, on a different level because we just don't have that anywhere. Um, down here in South Carolina especially, there's just not – there's not many ways to help kids get recruited. Um, and uh, so hopefully the show will be a little lifeline for some of those those kids and parents. Yeah, and you know that's so kind I, of an interesting I, does that point. answer your question about the the um, you know oh, yeah. the recruiting oh, yeah. part of this thing and the uh, draft part <laughs> of this thing because a lot of people just don't know the you know the process. Yeah, and that actually just opened up what, what could possibly be you know whole shows in themselves. You know, with the whole like you said, um, the guys that go to college. Uh, their progression chart through the minors are actually jump ahead of those guys who are just coming out of high school. I think that probably would matter to a lot of people to know that. Um, so, you know, that whole process and then coming out of college and, you know, do I come out in the third year or do I come back and, you know, the leverage of all that. Um, but there was something that, mm-hmm. that really just got my interest because, you know, as you know, I also work with a lot of high school athletes and in recruiting as well is that, you know, seeing that, it, you know, that kids can get, college scholarship offers or at least offers for a roster spot um, in eighth grade, uh, you know, and we see that every once in a while with basketball. 
you know, what what is the deal with that? I mean, how do you project a 12-year-old Man. to be able to come into your team and, you know, six years down the road and make an impact? How do you project a 12-year-old? I like tell that? you, I used to think it was impossible to project that until I met Robinson Cano's dad. And he's one of the largest human beings I've ever shook hands with. So now I can see if you meet somebody's parents and you kind of like, okay, like this guy, this kid's going to be massive. Um, you know, that's something you can't teach is size. But I, I, I will just say it is such a tough decision. And, and I'll tell you a quick story, and, and we can get into this in, a, in a, another segment, you know, on recruiting. But um, Mariana Bichette, um, there's Bo Bichette, who is a uh, big-time, you know, superstar already at the age of 21. I think he's still 21 um, with the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a second-rounder. His brother, older brother, Dante Bichette Jr., was a first-rounder with the Yankees, who I coached. And his dad, Dante Bichette, played in the big leagues for umpteen years with, with a ton of teams and was, a, you know, an all-star in several years. Um, you know, Mariana Bichette said it best. She said, Tori, I sat the boys down when they were young and they were in high school. And I just said to them, I said, hey, I've got a scenario for you and tell me what you're going to tell me what you think. You are you have a chance to date just a, a wonderful girl in high school and you are going to go ask her out and, and say, hey, do you want to be my girlfriend? And she says, yes, I'll be your girlfriend, but I'm allowed to look for a better boyfriend the rest of my high school uh, career, you know, the rest of high school. I'm, I'm allowed to look for a better boyfriend, and if I find one, I can just dump you and leave you for him. But you can't look at any other girl for the next three years. You, just, you have to just wait for me and hope that I like you at the end of these three years. You can't date anyone else. You can't, can't even talk to anyone else, much less look at anyone else. How does that sound? Is that a girl you want to date? And she said the boys were both like, Mom, what are you talking about? Who would do that? She's like, that's what you're doing. You're committing in eighth, ninth, tenth grade. She, and and it, it made it, – it really hit me. It's a great example of what the recruiting process is. These kids that, that commit in eighth, ninth, you know, even tenth grade – um, you know, those colleges can pull out of that. They can pull the offer if the kid stinks when he's a senior. Kid would then be stuck with teams that haven't even thought about him for three years or however long since he committed. And so he may not even have an opportunity to go somewhere else. So that's the danger of committing so early. You don't know the fit that you're getting into. You don't know if the school's going to be what you want in three, four years, you don't know if there's going to be four dudes at your position that are better than you by that time. And then they don't even give you, they don't even honor the, the commitment that they, they made to you. So that's, that's the fear that I have, even as a, with a 10th grade kid, you know, I keep telling these SEC schools, there's, there's one in particular that calls and says, you didn't do anything stupid yet, did you? You know, and I'm like, Hey, listen, He's not committing until after his sophomore year. You know, that's at the earliest would be at the end of this, you know, this upcoming summer. And it's just about the fit. And I, and I can't tell you, I will use a, a, an example of a kid at, um, at school where, you know, I, I had a kid at Oceanside that was a senior last year, and I didn't know anything about anyone at that point. And I just said, hey, where do you want to go to college? You're stuck. 
you're going to be a D1 middle of the lineup guy. And he told me where he was going, and it was a D2 school. And I said, oh, no. Oh, what are you doing? You're way better than that. Well, he committed in 10th grade, and he didn't, you know, he got a lot better. And, you know, of course, the great family, and they say, oh, we, we're going to be loyal. We're going to honor our commitment. And I'm like, no, be selfish. Get out, you know, and, and they didn't. <laughs> oh, the and, and now they're, you know, and now they're miserable. So it's, it's one of those where I'm like, hey, loyalty is awesome. I am the most loyal person there is when it comes to family or loved ones. But when it comes to my kid and a, and a college decision, guess what? I'm choosing my kid over the college. So, um, unfortunately, some of you there might be listening. Um, so just, just know that, yes, I, I am very loyal. But, um, you know, if, if, um, if it comes down to choosing my child or, or loyalty, I'm going to choose my child. Well, staying in the high school ranks and talking about, you know, colleges and recruiting, um, you know, it, with football, a lot of guys look at the roster, you know, and the rosters turn over much – well, it's elite schools anyway, um, a lot like the elite schools in football every three years. Um, for whatever reason that is, you know, with the guys going pro and, you know, if you're a running back or a linebacker at Alabama, if, with baseball – there's 11.7 scholarships on the Division One Power Five level or any level of Division One. There's 11.7 scholarships. Right. So, you know, all, all 85 guys at the University of Alabama that are on, you know, got that offer and scholarship, they're on full ride. University of Alabama is the right. of athletics, pays for everything, including summer school. Baseball isn't that way. There's only one paid head coach and one paid assistant. There's not 14 paid assistants. And there's 11.7 mm-hmm. scholarships to be divided up however they want between now where, where we need some info. How many dudes are on that roster that are dividing up or at least possibly getting a piece of that 11.7 pie? Right, right. And, that, yeah, that, that's the thing. It's, a, it's unbelievable that I was in college 30 years ago, and that's still the number they're using. Uh, it, it really is because you've got to think that obviously money talks. So, yeah, these football programs, those kids deserve full rides. They, heck, they deserve what they're about to get by getting paid for their namesake. Um, they definitely bring in the money to all these universities. But baseball, especially at the Power 5 level or SEC, ACC level, they're making money now. Most of the programs are bringing in money to the school. 11.7 is a joke. And then, you know, you're, you're dividing that where the, uh, the, the smallest amount of that scholarship that you can give a kid is 25%. Um, so you're, you're really, you know, you're dealing now, now that you have COVID and you had seniors come back for another year, kids reclassify and, and repeat a year, you're looking at some guys that have 45 players on their, on their team right now, which, you know, back in the day, it was definitely split up to know uh, this, um, you know, and this, this another segment I'm going to really enjoy. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy poking fun at a lot of my friends um, just because, uh, you know, you'll, you'll hear, Oh, you know, little Johnny got a, a 50% scholarship to, you know, whatever school. And I'm like, no, no, I actually know he didn't, um, you know, and, and sometimes the coaches spin it that way, because if you get 25%, you are getting half of your, of your education paid for, but you're not getting any room and board or any, any of that money. So I think um, a lot of parents don't even understand what they should really look at when they're discussing scholarships with these schools, because 
bottom line is it's, it's what, what is going to come out of your pocket? How much money is coming out of your pocket? I don't care about percentages and that stuff. What's coming out of your pocket? And, um, but I, I do enjoy teasing some of the parents that say, you know, I don't, I don't understand why people can't just say, Hey, my kid got 25%. That's awesome. The, the, the scout to get a scholarship, you're in the top 1% of, of your field. So, um, you know, to, to have to, to lie and say, Oh yeah, you got 60% and 80%. I'm like, no, he didn't. They don't do that for, you know, left fielders or something like that. Um, so, right. Uh, yeah. I can imagine. You know, I'll, I'll, that have few. Some, I'll have some fun with that. The pitchers, let's be honest, <laughs> pitching wins baseball games. Pitchers get money. Right. Three, three pitchers get a lot of money. So when you look at that 11.7, you know, we've got guys like Kamar Rocker at Vanderbilt getting 85% scholarship. He's supposed to go 1-1 and he's getting 85%. I don't want to hear from other parents that they got 80% somewhere. They didn't. Um, you know, you're only going to get that type of money if you are a superstar pitcher. It doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball or how good you are. You're not going to come out with 80%. So uh, yeah, yeah, I remember I just, South Carolina signing that. Uh, I think his name is Will Crow, that big uh, hard-throwing hurdler out of Tennessee, and he got a big-time scholarship, you know, to come in. And you know, there are some guys from around the state. So you, know, you mentioned that you mentioned Vanderbilt. Um, you know, we were talking about another school at, at Georgia Tech earlier. Now it's a public school, but it is out of state. So if you're a guy from South Carolina and they offer you 25 percent. Um, I've done the numbers because I have a child interested in a school like that. Uh, 25% of, you know, $55,000, there's still a lot at the end of the balance sheet. Uh, so is there anything, you know, that see, with football you get preferred walk-ons. And, and some of those preferred walk-ons, you know, the school or the team mm-hmm. or the endowment fund or whatever, they find the money. Is there anything like that similar in baseball where you get a 25% scholarship but then – you know, you can get scholarships for being a left-handed, red-haired guy from South Mississippi or something, something right. creative. Because our our host Richie got a scholarship, by the way, when he was a pitcher at South Carolina for being left-handed. Yep, that's all it takes for for pitchers. You're just a lefty, and you got a deal. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm joking, but um, yeah, he actually got so a left-handed scholarship. This, but this brings up a, another point. Yes, academic money too, and that's the cool thing. You know, my son knows that he is going to get some type of scholarship offer from a big school. His job, he knows, his job is to work his tail off in school to cover the rest of that education. So, you know, he knows. He told me, "I'm getting a 1400. I know your kid got a 1600, so don't make me feel bad because my kid's only going to get a 1400." <laughs> but but no, he knows. Yeah, we we we've got a kid. Uh, we've got a kid on on Oceanside baseball team with a fifteen twenty. Um, there, there's some there's some smart cookies out there that are that are playing sports and um, you know so um, so really if you educate your kids at a young age in ninth grade, hey, the, like nobody gets four rides. There are no four rides. You better get your, you know, nose buried in a book, and you better get good grades. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with Domingo Ayala. It's kind of a baseball spoof. If if you if y'all don't know that, you baseball fans, please look on YouTube at <laughs> yeah. Domingo Ayala. But you know, he said it best one day. He said, "It's leverage, man. It's leverage. 
That's what school is. You got to get good grades so you got leverage. Because if those teams don't see that you got good grades, they're not going to sign you. So, um, you know, that's, that's one of those important things. And that's the way you get, you know, the, the rest of your money or another chunk of your change. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too technical into this, but Vanderbilt's actually a private uh, institution. So some of their money, I don't know how it all works, but the endowments you're talking about, they do some of the baseball players. So uh, I don't know how it all works, but I know their 11.7 is a whole lot more powerful than, you know, South Carolina's 11.7. Um, and so they just have the kids write thank you notes to who know who knows who's paying what for who, but um, but yes yeah, so so there are a couple ways to make up the rest of that money but uh, I, I just want to make sure all the parents know that there's no full rise in baseball. Yeah, I remember back in the day um, I, I tried to walk on at Mississippi State and this was in 1997. 98 and um back then you know uh, the south carolina did not have the lottery at the time but georgia did and you know it was the education lottery and that helped pay you know for scholarships like it does you know some quote-unquote lottery money scholarships in south carolina now and i remember uh coach polk going to the sec office and just raising sand about that because georgia could sign they had the you know the 11.7 in the bank, but baseball players could also get lottery money. Well, he didn't have that in Mississippi and thought it was completely unfair, mm-hmm. you know, that other schools could get those extra kick-ins, but my understanding is they're still on the table, you know? So uh, those, right. those guys that don't have lotteries or endowments are just at a disadvantage and, you know, the league's like, well, sorry for your luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, all these rules and um, – Things, th- this is like a fluid situation. I've been in, you know, I've, I've been in baseball and I don't know the rules. I, I have to call, you know, a friend of mine that's in college who I'm going to, I'm going to have on some of these college coaches to, to explain some of these rules because I still have to call them. I, I've got, you know, Kevin Nichols over at College of Charleston does a great job of explaining rules to me when I got a question. Um, our, our amateur department in our, in our company, the biggest company there is in baseball, we still don't know all the rules because they change them every year. It's really important to stay on top of that. Um, they just changed a huge rule, um, you know, in college sports, a uh, one-time transfer rule. So that just opens up a whole new world of what's going to happen. Um, you know, I had one college coach tell me it's going to be the wild, wild west. So you're going to have, you know, these big schools trying to pull the great players off from the, the smaller schools you know, the, the smaller schools trying to keep their guys, you know, it's, it's definitely giving the players a little bit more leverage, which they have zero of um, with the current situation. Um, but it is going to create some, some chaos. I'm, I, anytime you can give the player leverage, I'm for it. And, and that's cool that they can transfer without having to sit out a year. So that's basically the rule that changed. You used to have to get a, be released and get a waiver if, if you wanted to leave school and transfer to another D1 school. Um, now you can enter the transfer portal without penalty one time, as long as all your grades transfer everything. Um, so it's definitely going to change the you know landscape of college baseball here this year. And, and, and then we go back, you flip back to the commits, the early commits, man, 
the, these kids that are committing early, you you've got no now you have no idea what's going to be there when you finally become a yeah. senior and you're about to go to that school. So it's very scary. Uh, I, I guess scary, exciting, um, you know. But um, there's there's it's definitely a fluid situation. It's kind of like COVID. They they change the rules every every couple months. So you got to stay on top <laughs> yeah. of it. And that's you know that whole transfer rule for baseball. I can see that. Uh... You know, it, it's you're going to see the trickle down effects into the high school levels, just like you know, college. I mean, high school football. You know, I mean, there were so many colleges uh, looking at kids that we knew and, and some other players, and they were like, you know, I, I'd love to take. I just don't know. I just don't know how how many we're going to be able to have next year. I don't know what the scholarship level is going to be back. But what we've known now is even guys like um, Coach Swinney at Clemson, they have never allowed transfers or JUCOs into the program. Never. It was a straight four year out of high school. We only offered June one of your, you know, going into your junior year. And now uh, coach, coach Danny Pierman, who was the special teams coach is now head of scouting for Clemson and follows the, um, the transfer wire basically. And so you see a lot mm-hmm. of that trickle down with, you know, if you're a seven and we've had some college coaches on for the football angle, if you're a 17-year-old and you play linebacker, and if I'm a college coach, you know, and I'm looking at this 20-year-old linebacker who still has two years of eligibility, who's mature, just like you said earlier, those guys been mm-hmm. in college, who's more mature, who's been in the weight lifting program, who's been in the nutrition program, and who's been out of the house with mama and, you know, hasn't ended up in jail or whatever, you know, who's just looking for a different opportunity, where do you think they're going to go? I mean, we had a right. press coach from Myrtle Beach on with us who does scouting um, between the high school because he's that one-year prep. And he said, look, man, all the college coaches tell us, you know, at least you had them for six to eight months outside of mama's house. You, so, you know, we can kind of gauge once they've been with you, did they go to class? Did they get good grades? Or are they, you know, do they seem mature, ready to make that next step? And he said, you know, it's a buyer's market for college right now. It's a buyer's market when it comes to athletes. Because, you know, they're not just pulling 25 guys out of high school because of that transfer portal. Now, you can transfer between divisions without penalty. It used to be if you transfer from Division two to Division one, you had to sit. Mm-hmm. Now you can transfer from Division three to Division one and, and still have immediate eligibility. Right, right. Yeah, like, like I said, it, it's going to be – a lot harder to coach. I don't. I don't envy those guys dealing with the numbers that they're dealing with. Dealing with, um, you know, guys tampering. But you know, they're obviously going to hide the tampering. <laughs> but you're going to have to be very connected to your players and and make sure that they are very loyal to your program, some some way or another. It'll be interesting. Well, I agree. Now let's talk a little bit about uh, you know. We talked about a lot about high school and college and that transition process. Now for the majors, what are some of the trends mm-hmm. you're seeing there, man? Besides the Yankees, it seems that you, uh, you know, found your way to their roster, both coaching and as a player. Um, being a Red Sox fan, I'm more than happy seeing them at five and ten. Um, but you know, what are <laughs> what are some of the trends you're seeing in baseball now? I mean, look at the difference. You know, we've gone from American League playing National League only in the World Series, to a couple series right. to, like, now thrown in throughout the league all year long. You know, the, the 
all-star game format is completely different than what it was, you know, back in the day. Um, you know, the, the, the calendar is completely different. So, you know, kind of where are we headed yeah. with all this? Well, I, I think obviously baseball, Major League Baseball is in a horrible state right now because if the Red Sox are 12-6 and six leading the division and the Yankees are on the bottom, there's a, there's a serious problem with Major League Baseball. Uh, I play for both teams in the minor leagues, and I think you know where my allegiance lies. Um, I am anti, about as anti-Red Sox as you can get. Um, luckily, I married into a Red Sox family. Um, she loves the Red Sox, so we're trying to work on that. Um, you know, and then I and then I moved to uh, down here to Charleston, and I guess everyone likes the Braves down here because there's nothing else close enough or something. I don't right. know. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even know the Braves had a team until I moved down here. Um, but uh, no, that. So um, no, but all joking aside, uh, the the you know Major League Baseball obviously has gone through a lot of changes, and and they're still tinkering with rules every year. It's killing killing me as a uh, I guess you'd call me old school. I don't know. I. I just I don't see I'm I'm all good with pace of play stuff like you know speeding it up because it's boring. Let's be honest, it, nobody wants to watch a three and a half, four and a half hour Yankees Red Sox game where the catcher comes out and talks to the pitcher every single pitch. So there definitely had to have been something done for pace of play, but it's getting ridiculous now. I don't want to watch a seven inning you know doubleheader uh, in, in the major leagues. That's that's high school stuff. Um, and, you know, now we're talking about moving the mound back a, a foot uh, in the Atlantic League as a, you know, a temporary, you know, experiment. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a shame. So, so basically we're penalizing the pitchers by moving them back a foot. We're penalizing the pitchers because the hitters stink nowadays. Um, you know, and it, it, it's, it's the whole thing is frustrating <laughs> to me. I mean, I mean, the hitters, I, I think, you, you know, if you follow the game, it's just a different game. These these hitters are paid to go deep and, you know, power right. pays. Well, and so <laughs> the game has changed to where everybody's trying to hit home runs. And so obviously everybody's strikeout rate goes way up. Uh, you don't have guys on base. You don't have the exciting stolen base. You don't have the hit and runs. You know, I grew up in, in 1982 watching the, the world champion St. Louis Cardinals, you know, with, with Vince Coleman and, uh, these guys stealing 100 bases a year. We're never in our life going to see 100 stolen bases. I don't care how fast you are. It's not going to happen because now they just sit and wait, sit and wait for a home run. And so, um, you know, I, I'm seeing the ebb and flow of the, you know, major leagues where you had, uh, you know, we, we kind of joked, uh, you, you've got the backpack scouts and the backpack. So the the new um, the new people that are coaching and running things, you know, th- those are the, the, the nerds from the office uh, that never played the game. They're crunching the numbers, running the analytics. Um, you know, I saw that push a ton of older, you know, guys, old school out of professional baseball. And I think just in the last year, I've seen it ebb kind of back towards, okay, maybe we went a little too far on the analytics side. Let's maybe get some guys back in here with experience that have, have done it. So um, that's just a whole nother segment we'll get started on um, with, with just uh, hitting and pitching in general 
and just the new school of thought. And um, hopefully, hopefully I can shed some light on that for some of these people that are paying millions of dollars uh, to maybe not millions, but uh, thousands of dollars to make sure their kid throws hard. And I'm like, that's great. Right. Now your kid can't throw strikes. You know, congratulations. He hit 90, and now he can't throw strikes, so no college is ever going to sign him. Um, oh, you know, boy, so, do I have to deal with that with kickers. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing I can kick that, it 70 you know, yards, but you can't put it through the pipe, so it doesn't matter. Right. Well, um, that was a job so, for them, right? You, you're a kickoff specialist. So you're a kickoff that. specialist. That is true. Uh, and actually, you know, for, we've been told going into summer camps, um, colleges, uh, and especially I'll, I'll just – I know this has nothing to do with your show or baseball, but um, Clemson has basically put it out there uh, very succinctly and very bluntly that um, – they only consider themselves ever needing a field goal to win in the national championship. No other game on their roster, their analytics and their math department <laughs> that they, they actually do have on campus right next to the ops building. Um, they, they do not consider themselves needing a field goal to win a game until the national championship. They want the long ball and kickoff. They're bringing in on June 5th, uh, they're bringing in eight kickers. There's only one from South Carolina one from North Carolina, um, and whoever hits a certain amount of field goals out to 56 yards, but on kickoffs to get four tries, whoever can put it out the end zone combined with their potential field goal gets the Clemson offer this year. Wow. They figure wow. you can yep. work with the guy that we work with and go to Charlotte on field goal, and he'll get you right uh, by your second year. But Clemson has already said they don't feel like they – their analytics say they don't need a field goal to win a game except for maybe the national championship. So they want the kickoff. Well, I, would, out the end zone. I would say a national championship is a pretty big deal. So you might want to have somebody on scholarship to make that kick. But from a baseball standpoint, it's the same thing. There's kids getting signed off of Twitter now. Um, they're, they're, they're getting offers from Twitter and I just had a college coach tell me last night, he said, you watch. As soon as we're allowed to get back out there, um, June 1st is when college coaches are allowed to get back out there. He said, you watch. All the offers that kids got from Twitter or videos, uh, those coaches are going to get out and see them and realize, oops, uh, probably should have watched them play. And he said, there's going to be a lot of offers pulled off the table. And rightly so. I mean, if I'm, if I'm running a program, I'm going to, I want to watch the kids, uh, I, I know just to cite uh, one of the greatest things I've heard, and I want other parents, baseball parents, to hear it. Um, uh, the recruiting coordinator for Florida State told my son one day, I'm not going to offer you anything until I see you strike out. I said, strike out? That's, you know, that's, that's weird. And, and at first I thought he wanted to see his reaction to striking out, and he said it's not just the reaction. Uh, he said – I want to see him strike out. I want to see how he walks back to the dugout. I want to see if he turns around and cheers on the next guy. I want to see how he walks onto the field and carries that strikeout onto the field. And then I want to see what he does his next at bat, if he let that strikeout carry over into his next at bat. Um, you know, so they want to see these kids play. They want to see these kids fail and see how they deal with failure. So, you know, he said he's watched kids four games before he gave an offer because he had to wait so dang long for them to fail. And I, I think it's awesome. I think it's an awesome thing to teach your kids. 
you know, because a lot of these kids have, have never struggled, have never faced adversity. So that's my favorite reason to put your kid into baseball is it is the hardest game, the hardest sport in the world. It is the most failure of any sport there is. So I just love it because it creates a life lesson. I mean, I, I it prepared me for life. People, some people call me a pessimist, and all I am is I'm ready. I'm ready. And that's what baseball did to me. It, it made me look at things and say, ah, eh, this is good, but it's probably not going to last. So what, what am I going to do if something goes wrong? So I was always prepared for the worst possible thing to happen. That way I could keep playing the game. And that's what I hope my son gets out of playing the game of baseball, just realizes it's okay to fail. It's how you react to that failure that defines you as an athlete. And then in the future, it's going to define you as an employee. And so that's, that, you know, that's what I love about the game of baseball. I love it. And I didn't want them to start too early because I want them to learn these lessons, you know, when it, when it was, was a impactful, knowledgeable thing for him, you know, from the ages of 13 to 16. Yes, and I'm so I, you know, and I'm, my gosh, it sounds so familiar, um, you know, with the, how, you know, college coaches say, you know, to a lot of guys, you know, I want to see your, I want to, I want to lay eyes on you instead of the hands, I want to lay eyes on you because there's also manipulation of film. You know, I mean, I could turn my phone a certain way when I got mm-hmm. a kid punting and I can turn the sound off and he could hit a 70 yard punt and everybody's like, wow, you know, a 15 year old just hit a 70 yarder. Well, I can make it where you can't see that 20-mile-an-hour wind behind them, too. You know, so I, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of college coaches are going, you know, when they see these cats, you know, and we all know when you log into someone's Twitter or, or, or their huddle account, 6'2 is probably more like 5'11 and a half. <laughs> you know, so uh, it, it should be very interesting. You're right, come June 1, because, you know, the, the uh, doors of perception are going to be cleansed June 1. Correct, correct. And, um and, you know, even that is just another rule that uh, a lot of people don't – it's changed probably five times in the last year. They kept knocking that date back, knocking that date back. And these poor kids, especially like the, the juniors and seniors um, in high school right now, this thing has killed them, absolutely killed them. NCAA has killed them by allowing kids to have, you know, to reclassify. Um, I, I – Hey, I, I feel for those kids that, that lost a season uh, to, to COVID, but, are, like, are you kidding me? The high school kids don't get, get another season back. Um, you know, so for the NCAA Unless to prevent that, I mean, oh, you, uh, Kentucky allowed them to reclassify. I'm, I'm sure some people did. Um, but, you know, it, it's just uh, I, I, life is not fair. They should have just canned it. And moved on. Um, now they're affecting class after class and coach after coach. Now college baseball is a little better because they squashed it and went down to five rounds last year. So you had a lot of kids stay in college that would have normally gotten drafted and left. Um, you know, and then you got the um, contraction of minor league baseball that we'll get into at some point. Um, so you're down a whole lot more, you know, professional baseball uh, minor leaguers. Uh, so there's there's this this last year two years has really changed the landscape and so I'm hoping to to keep things up to date with the show. 
uh, so you, you, what, you know, you do, we've only got a couple minutes left yep. here, and I was just, um, you know, I just want to let people know they can they can go, you know, to my Twitter, Southern Sports Central Twitter, uh, you know, and let us know what the, what they're interested in. You know, some of the things I've had a few dads that I know uh, call call me in the last few days, and you know, one of them said, "Oh, you got to talk about Game Changer." I don't know if you're familiar with Game Changer, but it it oh, becomes yeah. a comical uh, comical uh, aspect of of uh, high school baseball where you you know you're going to have I think I would assume every team has a dad on it, which is a big mistake. Um, but they have a dad on it with their kid on the team, and uh, you know, so we're gonna have some fun with with blowing some game changer. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll cite some instances, some, and kind of bring some honor back to that. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off and and I'm gonna really challenge some of these high school coaches on on their their reluctancy to let the kids hit. Um, with you know just all the bunting, uh, and we we played Gray the other day, who is an outstanding team. Uh, Gray is out of Columbia. We're playing them on a Saturday. The games are non-conference; they don't mean anything, and and they bunted six times in a row against us, and it was it was painful to watch. Did we screw it up? Yes, we screwed it up. We kept screwing it up, which was embarrassing itself. But those kids aren't getting any better with that. So I'm going to be challenging these coaches with some of the things they they're doing and some of the reasoning for it. So if any of you guys that are listening out there have something, uh, jump on Twitter, you know, shoot something out of something that you'd like to be talked about. And we will definitely get to it in these shows as we go week to week. All right, buddy. Well, we're going to close it out. We get about 30 seconds. I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. And for those who will be joining the podcast tomorrow, downloading it, Hitting it up when they get in the office, uh, whether that be the school or or work, uh, we'll definitely look forward. We got a lot to cover uh, going forward. Uh, thank you for your time, Tori, and we'll be signing off for tonight, buddy. All right.